Alright, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, riding solo once again as we finally kick 1996 back into gear and have a look at the March 11 episodes of Raw and Nitro. This is something I've been itching to get back into because obviously we're on the road to WrestleMania and my good friend Carl has been very patient waiting for me to catch up there so we can do that. Um, So we're going to try and chew through both of these episodes before Mania in the next sort of week or two and get that WrestleMania episode delivered to you as quickly as possible. As far as the March 11 episodes of Raw and Nitro, Raw comes to us from San Antonio, Texas and drew a 2.9 TV rating. Nitro, on the other hand comes to us from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and drew a 3.2 TV rating, narrowly winning this week's ratings after being not on the air last week, as you would have heard in a previous episode. Now, as far as these two episodes go, we watched Raw first, so we're going to head over there now and see what the WWF has to offer. That sound, of course, can only mean one thing, and that we are about to see the entrance of the Puerto Rican sensation, Savio Vega. Savio Vega taking on longtime rival around this time period, Steve Austin. Now, some good news, bad news here for Steve Austin as we look at this match. Um, one of many, many, many these two had. Austin is given a little bit of a jobber entrance already in the ring as Raw begins. However, on the upside, he is referred to for the first time as Stone Cold, and Stone Cold appears on his nameplate on screen. Stone Cold gets things underway with a shoulder block and a headlock before Savio Vega comes back with a crossbody for a two count. A couple of arm drags, but Stone Cold avoids a third, sending Savio to the mat. Stone Cold hits a clothesline, followed by a suplex for a two count, and we see the future world's mo- uh, world's strongest man, Mark Henry, in the crowd, not the world's most dangerous man. That will be someone else still to come. We get some chops from Savio, and then he goes up for a splash, but eats the knees of Stone Cold. Stone Cold goes for a dirty pin with his feet on the ropes, which gets him a two count as we go to our first commercial break. When we come back, Austin's reeling away with punches and chops, a drop toe hold, a knee drop, before Savio fights back with a hip toss and a pretty poor corner whip, it didn't really work, and then a running heel kick before they brawl along the outside. And this is how the match ends, with a double count out, and they just continue brawling through the referee's decision. This is our cue for Vince to show us some stuff from earlier before Raw went on the air, and it's Jerry Lawler interviewing Mark Henry and taking a few cheap shots at him before Mark Henry picks him up and tosses him out of the ring. So pretty cool and, you know, very early days of Mark Henry, and we all know how that heads. Um, Then we get an update on the tag team tournament that we've been talking about on the last few episodes from this timeline, and we are told that Savio Vega and Razor Ramon won, um, and that the last first round matchup will be the Bushwhackers up against the Body Donners, Bushwhackers returning to the Federation, so some awesome matches on the horizon here, no doubt. We then get told we are scheduled to have Rowdy Roddy Piper out, but unfortunately it's a music of gold dust that hits, and he makes his way to the ring as we go to a commercial break. When we come back, we've got Doc Hendricks shilling some denim jackets, WrestleMania 12 denim jackets, and for just three easy payments of $39.95 plus shipping and handling, you can have a denim jacket with patches of Undertaker and Diesel on one arm, Brett and Sean on the other, and a big WrestleMania 12 logo on the back, and yes, they are as bad as they sound. 
After this has happened, Goldust is in the ring. Vince McMahon looking to introduce uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper does bring out Roddy Piper and we get quite the confrontation between this pair. This confrontation does go for about seven or eight minutes, so I won't put the whole thing in, but I will just splice in a few of the highlights for you guys to have a listen to. Uh, be sure to go back and check out the whole segment. It is definitely worth a watch. Uh, gives you a good feel for how things were tracking at this time. Heading towards Attitude and testing the waters with some sort of questionable material. Can you be for that? You know what you're doing? You know what you're doing, Cream Puff? You're, you're embarrassing me. You're coming to the WWF. And what you're trying to do is get attention. That's all you're trying to do. Don't, hey, don't let this guy fool you for a second. Don't let him fool you for a second. Mindless? Oh, mindless. I'll tell you. I'm the one who dealt with Adrian Adonis. I beat him half to death Whoa. with a baseball bat. Whoa. Okay? Got only a great athlete could win the Intercontinental title. Only somebody that trained hard. And you think for once, hey, let's first of all, let's get our sexuality right. You are what you are. Me, I'm a lesbian, okay? You see, President Piper, I want a piece of you real bad, baby. And I know that you want a piece of me. <laughs> So quit pretending. On a back lot, you wanna fight you jerk? Then I'll fight you God! And you know what? I'm gonna make a man out of you! So as you can see there, the stage is set and we are going to have our Hollywood Black Backlot Brawl at WrestleMania. Rowdy Roddy Piper taking on current Intercontinental Champion, Goldust. And from there we go to our next matchup, which will see the Godwins, Phineas and Henry, take on Alex Porto and Jerry Mead. Jerry Lawler gets in a corker of a line in the beginning of this matchup. He says when it's 9 o'clock in New York, it's 1952 in Arkansas, so really making fun of the Godwins here, which was good. The match is nothing to write home about, a bit of a squash. We get a clothesline from Henry before tagging in Phineas. He goes to work on both and goes crazy doing weird mule kicks. Henry comes in and calms him down. We get a crossbody... Uh, caught into a slam by Henry and then he hits a slop drop for the one two three in nothing more than a pretty basic squash here nothing to write home about we then go into the famous or infamous training montages that many people have discussed Brett and Sean in particular here we'll probably go into a lot of, a little bit more detail in these with Carl on the Wrestlemania show when we have a chat about this but essentially it's Sean Michaels training um, doing a lot of agility work uh, you know sort of bare-chested, muscular, in front of the American flag, hanging upside down, looking very much like a young prime athlete. Bret Hart training in Calgary, running in the snow, so not moving very fast, being stretched by Stu, so you know, obviously being submitted by an old, old man at this time. Bret writes a lot about this in his book, and I have to be honest, on first watching, I didn't think it was as bad as he makes it out to be. I thought Bret's training looked rugged and intense, and Sean's looked, you know, young and fresh, but that was their styles. Um, Brett was a wily veteran who would fight all comers, and Sean was the up-and-comer looking for his shot at glory. So I think this actually portrayed a pretty good story, even being 100% honest. Maybe Brett did look a little bit older, but let's face it, Brett's character was a little bit older than Sean's at this point, and it was pretty natural. We then, from there, go to our Karate Fighters Slam of the Week, and a Chokozuna bonsai dropping two jobbers sat one on top of the other. So pretty awesome-looking splash there. 
And our next contest is another squash match, Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley taking on Ben Greer. And during the introductions for this one, we're told Triple H will face the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania. I'm expecting that one to be a five-star classic since I've forgotten how that one goes, so hopefully I'm not disappointed. Triple H gets some good offense in this match, though, with some European uppercuts, a high knee, a delayed vertical suplex, a knee drop, a couple of slaps, and then a pedigree for the 1-2-3, so a pretty dominant showing from Triple H here. We then go to our latest in the series of Scheme Gene segments. Um, he's talking about the match between the Huckster and Nacho that's going to take place on the free-for-all of WrestleMania. Uh, they show the Huckster at the gym training like a 90-year-old, barely being able to lift any weights or do anything. And they show Nacho Man's training where he sat in a chair having hair sprayed onto his bald spot. So pretty nasty stuff. They announce that Billionaire Ted will be the special referee. And we find out next week we're going to see Bret Hart versus Tatanka. In case you're wondering, I'm not splicing in any more of this stuff because it gets really long in the tooth. It's actually pretty tedious if I'm being 100% honest. And it's not all that funny. And I can see now why Macho would have got pissed off. That was a pretty brutal shot showing the bald spot having hair sprayed onto it. So Vince was certainly not holding back, but he was doing it at the detriment of his show at this point in time. We then head over to our main event, which is The Undertaker and Yokozuna taking on Owen Hart and the British Bulldog. We get a bit of a stare down between Taker and Yoko early doors uh, before the heels come in and try and jump them but get caught on the way in. All four are in brawling at the start. Undertaker and Yoko throw the faces into each other. We get a big clothesline from Yoko and then Undertaker begins to work on Owen. Uh, Yoko then comes in and works over the Bulldog, but Diesel comes out while the, the guys in the ring are busy. We get a clothesline to Paul Bearer, and then he just beats on him a little bit in the aisle, and then walks off. Undertaker sort of spots it as he's already walking away. He goes around to check on Paul Bearer, who motions for him to chase after Diesel and sort it as we go to a commercial break. When we come back, Owen's working over Yoko before tagging in the Bulldog, and then Vader comes out despite the fact that the it's two on one here. Vader comes in, uh, but Yoko fights him off before the British Bulldog helps with the numbers game here, getting control. This brings out Armored Johnson to try and make the save. He slams Owen and spinebusters the Bulldog before Vader gets on top of Ahmed. And this brings out a bit slower Jake the Snake Roberts. The heels are in control, but officials hit the ring and try and break it up. The ring fills and the faces fight the heels off, valiantly clearing them from the ring to end the show to a pretty decent pop considering the guys that were in there. Um, Jake, Ahmed, and Yokozuna all have issues here with Camp Cornette, and this is probably going to be something that culminates at WrestleMania if you don't know what the match is. I won't spoil it just yet, but these six men will all be involved. That'll do it for Raw. It's a pretty easy watch if I'm being, um, you know, sort of not overly critical on it. It, it was pretty quick to get through, not too bad, and I have enjoyed getting back into Raw and Nitro after watching a lot of pay-per-views lately. So that's it for Raw. We're going to head over and see what Nitro's got to offer and see if they can beat a pretty solid episode of Raw.
Nitro has Eric Bischoff, Bobby the Brain, Heenan, and Steve Mongo McMichael open the show. Pepe is in what appears to be a birthday outfit with a party hat. Uh, and we begin the, ma- be- begin the match. We begin the show with Hacksaw Jim Duggan taking on the Giant, and I was groaning right from the start. Duggan jumps a Giant who no-sells early, and then we get... Um, a big couple of signs in the crowd right on the hard camera um, that say phone Brian and they have phone numbers listed and the camera appears to be intentionally trying not to shoot it Um, and we then go to an outside brawl between the two competitors the Giants in control as the cops then stop Brian Pillman entering the arena and this is acknowledged by the commentary team Um, this was interesting in that it looked like they were purposely trying not to shoot it and then they were basically just saying get him out Bischoff leaves the um, announce booth we're told and Giant goes to a bear hug as Bischoff then is yelling for security to take Brian Pillman out and he does eventually go back and rejoin the commentary team Giant misses a stinger splash which allows Jim Duggan to get into his three point stance and he clotheslines the Giant over the top to the outside he goes to try and tape his fist but giant comes back in and nails him and puts him back in a bear hug duggan headbutts out of this um but lands on the floor he then takes a duct tape off the ring mats and uses that to loosely wrap his fist it's a bit of a hasty job here but you get the imp- you get the idea he nails a giant while holding the tape basically hits three big shots and this sends him down Jimmy Hart, however, distracts Duggan. Um, Duggan goes and headbutts him, but turns straight into a huge choke slam and the one, two, three from the Giant. And I've got to be honest, I groaned when I saw this was going to be the opening contest, but it was okay. As far as Jim Duggan matches go in this time period, this was one of the better ones I've seen. So kudos to the Giant Jim Duggan for giving us a decent opening contest. We then are told we're about to see the Nasty Boys take on the Road Warriors, but out come the Steiner brothers on motorbikes to the shock of everybody. Um, On the commentary team, Bischoff tells us that the Nasty Boys are heading to a hospital and no one's sure why, but out come the Steiners and they're sure they've got something to do with it. Steiner brothers, of course, coming back from their tour of Japan, which is where they headed after their stint in the WWF wasn't what what they wanted it to be. LOD do, LOD do come out to a huge pop, and we get some introductions before going to a commercial break. When we come back, the crowd are into both, but do break into an LOD chant before they eventually lock up. Scott hits some punches before Hawk fires back with a hip toss. Scott hits a huge belly-to-belly suplex and a pump handle t- a slam before Hawk comes off the top rope with a clothesline, a big boot, and a neck breaker before Scott hits what looks like a Pearl River plunge. Rick comes in, as does Animal. Animal gets a power slam and a standing drop kick, an elbow drop, and Rick comes back with some clotheslines and a huge German suplex. We get a belly-to-belly off the top rope before tagging back into Scott, who hits an overhead belly-to-belly to a really hot crowd loving this action. We get a tree of woe and a neck crank before tagging Rick back in. We get a huge LOD chant now getting behind them while they're in peril. Scott comes in and puts on a camel clutch, but Hawk makes a save. Rick comes in and reapplies a camel clutch. Scott comes in and just barely grazes Animal with a drop kick. Rick comes in and tags back into Scott, so a lot of double teaming going on here. Before the hot tag is made and Hawk comes in and gets all over both the Steiners. He clotheslines Scott out the ring and hits a shoulder block on a power slam to Rick before they attempt the Doomsday Device, but Scott makes a save. Rick hits a German and the Steiners attempt a Doomsday Device of their own, but Animal makes a save. Hawk then suplexes Rick, all four are in exchanging blows, and this allows Scott the time to put the Frankensteiner on Animal and really spikes him headfirst. It was a nasty looking bump, but Hawk makes a save. 
We then get a Steiner Brothers Doomsday device with a bulldog rather than a clothesline as they are wont to do. Animal O gets his gauntlet with the spikes from the outside, nails one of the Steiners, and this allows Hawk to pick up the one, two, three in an absolutely awesome hard-hitting tag match with two of my all-time favorite teams. This was just brilliant. From there, Gene comes and interviews the Steiners, but there's not really anything to, to tell of this. The Steiners at this point in time weren't great promos, but Scott was definitely getting big and crazy sounding, so we're heading to prime time Scott coming up soon. But yeah, just absolutely adored this match. Go and watch it. Cool surprise to have the Steiners back and just hard-hitting contest. From there, we go to our next match, which is Alex Wright taking on Lex Luger for Lex Luger's TV title, which we're told he's one off Mark Miro. I'm not sure what show that occurred on, but Lex now does have a tag title and the TV title. Uh, we get an ad for the ability for WCW to get the scoops. It's Mean Gene and Bobby Heenan basically hiding places with tape recorders and shilling the hotline here. Alex Wright starts us off with a drop kick and an arm drag, as Bischoff tells us on commentary that Mark Miro couldn't hang where the big boys play, so I assume he's now going over to head to the WWF, and he's referred to as Mark Miro there as well. Lex um, is apparently now not going to be in the Chicago street fight that he offered the Road Warriors either, so Sting has to find himself another partner. That's a news tidbit that comes to us from the commentary team. Um, we get an Alex Wright plancher, a top rope axe handle for a two before Lex sends him to the outside and begins to work on the back. A nice press slam. Alex Wright comes back with a top rope crossbody before Lex then catches him coming off the top for a second and hits him with some slaps and talks trash in the corner. Alex Wright hits some boots and a European uppercut, a back elbow, a backdrop, and a spin kick for a two count. Hits a missile drop kick from the top. Uh, Goes up for another one. Jimmy Hart shakes the ropes, and this allows Lex Luger to catch him and clothesline him neck first on the top rope to pick up the one, two, three before we go to our next commercial. This one was nothing to write home about, but it wasn't bad either, and it was relatively brief. When we come back from commercial, it's time for our main event, a six-man double-strap lumberjack match. So this was a little bit strange. All the lumberjacks around the outside are wearing lumberjack shirts as well, just to really drive it home. And it appears as though they've all got straps, and none of the competitors actually get strapped to each other, despite there being straps at ringside. So wrap your head around that one. It's WCW in the mid-90s. The competitors are Ric Flair, Kevin Sullivan, and Arn Anderson, taking on um, Brutus Beefcake, Macho Man Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan. He's brother Brudeye, but you get who I'm talking about. Um, Loch Ness and the Giant are two of the Lumberjacks, and Loch Ness accidentally hits a Giant, so they brawl to the back. Um, all six men for the actual match get in the ring and begin brawling. There's no tags. It is just a wild brawl. Kimberly comes to the aisle with flowers, so now that Mira is gone, she's looking for a new man, apparently. And we get... Animal brings Ric Flair back to the ring, who had escaped, and Lumberjacks all start whipping each other. Ric Flair gets a huge pop for choking Hogan and big woos from the crowd. Hogan overpowers five or so Lumberjacks on the floor, including DDP, The Barbarian, and Steve Regal. Hits a boot and a leg on Ric Flair and picks up the one, two, three in a mess of a match. Truly awful stuff. Hogan then begins to chase some of the heels to the back, and Mongo, with his classic line on commentary, he's going to choke him sorry he's going to chase him to the bedroom uh to the dressing room i mean whip them until their clothes fall off that's a little bit strange mongo we then go to a commercial break and when we come back gene is in the ring with the bad guys that have just lost arn anderson with the line of the night when he says nothing here resembled pro wrestling tonight um rick flair cuts an absolutely awesome promo on the good guys again and the commentary team sign us off for the night so a very very 
quick paced episode of Nitro here. One that didn't have a lot of standout things as far as clips go to splice in, but had a lot of hot action. So there's not really much point in me giving you audio of the matches. I'd strongly suggest you actually just go and watch this episode of Nitro. But that being said, we have to find out how it stacks up against Raw. So let's head over and ask the question. I'm going to start with characters this time around, and I'm going to plop for WCW on this one for the simple fact they brought back the Steiners and put them straight into a dream match with the LOD. Both shows got a lot of big name talent on there, but the Lumberjack match also allowed WCW to get a lot more guys in the picture as well. Um, and every match include, involved a main event guy of some form, unlike the squash matches that were on Raw. So characters definitely goes to WCW. Storylines, on the other hand, I'm going to go with the WWF simply because the Gold Dust Piper thing really progressed rapidly. Um, the Steiner's LOD thing, it might lead to more, but at this stage it looked like just a one-off big matchup. And Hogan beating on the bad guys some more doesn't really, you know, it, it's not really my idea of storyline progression. So we'll go one apiece there with WWF taking out storyline. As far as crowd heat, I would go with WCW on this one. Um, they didn't always cheer for the people they were meant to, i.e. Hogan, but they were hot throughout the night with a lot of big chants and a lot of bit big pops when the time was right. Production, I would probably call this one a tie. There was no real note of either side here. Um, Nitro is looking a little bit newer, but Raw definitely does what it does as it always has done. So a tie there, and we go to match quality, and this is a no-brainer. It goes to WCW for the Steiners vs. LOD alone. Duggan and the Giant was surprisingly good, and Alex Wright vs. Lex Luger was okay. Raw didn't have any great wrestling to speak of, um, but the Steiners and LOD is enough to tip the scale. So Nitro, as well as winning the battle in the ratings, firmly pick up the victory on this episode of Rory's Nitro as well. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you notice we are getting back in the swing of it and getting everything underway here. Uh, Duncan and myself have recorded a few new episodes recently, as have Richie and I, and I've got a few get more guest hosts lined up to come on the podcast in the weeks to come, so stay tuned. There's going to be a lot more action, and we're going to try and keep this one updated at least once a week from here on out. So thank you all for listening. As always, catch me on Twitter. Um, if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes, it's always very helpful, or send us an email or like us on Facebook if that is your preference. Thanks again and speak to you all soon. Ready, set, let's go. Dance, go, bro. I know, you know, I go psycho when my new joint hit. Just can't sit, gotta get jiggy with it. That's it, now, honey, honey, come ride. DKNY, all up in my eye. You gotta ride a bag with a lot of stuff in it. Give it to your friend, let's spin. Everybody looking at me, glancing at the kid. Wishing they was dancing a jig here with this handsome kid. Sick a cigar right from Cuba Cuba. I just bite it, it's for the look, I don't light it. They'll wait to hand me on the hands, they all play. Give it up, jiggy, make it feel like four play. Yo, my cardio is infinite. <laughs> Big Willie Styles all in it. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. You on the ball with your kid, watch your step, you might fall, trying to do what I did, mama, uh, mama, uh, I'm a couple
both sides in the middle of the club with the rubber dub. Uh, no love for the haters, the haters mad cause I got floor seats at the Lakers. See me on the 50 yard line with the Raiders. Met Ali, he told me I'm the greatest. I got the fever for the flavor of a crowd pleaser. DJ play another from the prison, it's your highness. Only bad chicks riding my whip. South to the west, to the east, to the north. Bump my hips and watch them go off, but go off. But yes, yes, sure. And you don't stop in the winter order. Summertime. I mix it high, getting jiggy with them. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. 850 IS if you need a lift. Who's the kid in the drop? Who else will slip? Living that life, some consider a myth. Rock from South Street to 125. Women used to tease me, give it to me now, nice and easy. Since I moved up like Georgia Weezy. Cream to the maximum, I'll be axing them. Would you like to bounce with the brother that's platinum? Never see Will attacking them. Rather play ball with shacking them, flatten them. Like getting, thought I took a spell. But I didn't trust the lady of my life, she hitting. Hit her with a drop top with the ribbon. Crib for my mom on the outskirts of Philly. You trying to flex on me? Don't be silly. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Get 